Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings of this day already that have been many. We pray now as we open your word uh, that you will speak to us. I think you have a word today to give us confidence if we're willing to hear it. Help us to hear in Jesus' name, amen. After the resurrection of Jesus, after he'd spent 40 days on and off with the disciples from time to time, just before he was taken back to heaven, Jesus said these words to the disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples heard these words, but there was so much in those words that Jesus was saying that they were hearing that they didn't know yet. But, and this is an important point to get, just because you don't know everything about what Jesus is telling you, doesn't mean he won't be able to still accomplish his will through you. Just because you don't understand everything yet, doesn't mean he's not working, doesn't mean he's not leading, and doesn't mean you won't still be able to accomplish his will. We talked about this reality of not knowing everything earlier this year, and in fact, the verse right before the one I just read you goes right down this road in response to a question from the disciples about what comes next, Jesus. Jesus said in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. There's several messages in what Jesus is saying here, and we have spent time particularly in this series talking about what it means to be a witness. But today I hear another message to us from Jesus in these words. Today this is what I hear. I hear Jesus saying, you will not always know for sure what will happen next. But don't worry, the Holy Spirit will lead you even when you aren't sure where you should go. And so as we prepare to consider a couple of stories from the book of Acts today, I want to remind you of a passage that we unpacked seven weeks ago that dealt with this issue of the things that God has revealed and the things that God has not revealed. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to who? The Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. The point is this. There will always be mysteries. There will always be things we don't know. In light of what we talked about last Sabbath, there may well be things that will become for us present truth that we're just not ready for yet. These things remain among the secret things until the time the Lord has appointed that those things would be known by us. 
And according to Jesus, it is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the things we need to know when we need to know them. John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus speaking, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will dump all truth on you at once. Is that what it says? No, he will guide you into all the truth. Today is the next to last message in our brief fall series entitled Fresh Wind. We are for this series in the book of Acts considering various stories where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon people like you and like me. And then we're asking ourselves, what impact did the coming of the Spirit have? And in addition, we're asking ourselves another question, and it goes like this, what would I become? if the Holy Spirit was poured out on me. Today I want us to reflect on two stories from the life of Paul dealing with this issue of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the examples we'll be considering are about as concrete examples as we possibly could get. Has the Holy Spirit ever led in your life in the way we're about to read? To get the context for the story, the first story we want to look at, we have to start in Acts chapter 15. Now this is the time just after the Jerusalem Council, the gathering where the church decided to agree within itself that if the Holy Spirit was accepting Gentiles, even without them being circumcised, maybe it was foolish for the church to try to come along behind the Holy Spirit and force these Gentiles to live according to the Jewish law after they became believers. This whole crisis, and, and don't misunderstand how big a crisis this was for the early church. This whole crisis started when Peter went to the home of Cornelius the Centurion, an event we reflected on last week, an event that was instigated, choreographed, and consummated entirely by the Holy Spirit. Peter had no plan to do any of that. And now since that time, since Peter went to Cornelius, now some other things have happened. Paul and Barnabas have been out on their first missionary journey. They went to Cyprus and then to the region of Galatia. And on their trip, many Gentiles became believers in Jesus. We pick up the story after the council has agreed to persist in the direction that the Holy Spirit has been leading. And realize, this is a direction that the apostles never thought they would be going back when they started the mission. Back when Jesus said, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses, their minds said, to the Jews. But the Holy Spirit said, no. And you'll figure this out as you go along. Your mission will be to all nations. You see, they weren't ready to handle all of it yet. But when the time came, they followed the Holy Spirit and they were able to get it right. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, 
Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Okay, three quick points here. First, our generation of church is not the first to have disagreements and disputes between prominent church leaders. In fact, it started in the first generation of church. Second point, our generation of church is not the first to face the challenge of personality friction within the church. We didn't invent this. Third point, our generation is not the first to face situations where teams that once worked well together need to be rearranged or sometimes even broken up. Now, in one sense, it's kind of a sad story, isn't it? Paul and Barnabas. I mean, Barnabas is the one who came and embraced Paul after, after Paul became a Christian. Nobody believed it except Barnabas gave him a chance, brought him along. Paul and Barnabas together went out. They went and, and pioneered Christian mission. But now, after sharp words, this team is breaking up. It's kind of sad. But in another sense, isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit can take a painful dispute and turn it into profit for the kingdom? You see, before, there was just one missionary team, Paul and Barnabas. But now, after sharp words, there's two. Barnabas and Mark, Paul and Silas. So here's an uncomfortable question. Is anyone bold enough to say the Holy Spirit can even lead through relational conflict and seeming fracture within the body of the church? That's tough. I'm not going to answer it. That's one of those things I leave in the category of the secrets of God. So let's get to the safe part of the story where I can tell you for sure the Holy Spirit was leading. Acts 16 verse 1, Paul came to Derba and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now, did you catch the irony in what I just read you? What is the message Paul and Silas are traveling to tell? You don't have to be circumcised in order to be a full functional part of the church. And what does Paul do to Timothy when he finds him? Circumcises him. 
Is it hypocrisy? Or is Paul doing whatever it takes to make sure nothing inhibits the spread of the gospel? Sometimes there are certain investments we have to make to spread God's word easily. This particular investment was particularly painful for Timothy, I think, as opposed to the others. But now we are at one of the passages we've been headed towards from the beginning, and what a strange passage this is. Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Have you ever thought about this? How was it Paul and his companions decided where they were going to go? Was it just kind of random? I mean, okay, maybe we could make some sense of their first trip because Paul and Barnabas set out and they go to Cyprus. And that makes sense because Barnabas came from Cyprus. So he's kind of going home. He's taking the gospel home. That kind of makes sense. And then from there, they went straight north up to Galatia. I guess that kind of makes sense because it's reasonably close and it's actually a little bit west of where Paul used to live. So he probably has some knowledge of this area. But it doesn't really necessarily say anywhere that the Holy Spirit told them to go here and then the Holy Spirit told them to go there. So was it just haphazard? It's a little hard for me to accept the notion that it was random or haphazard. But here's the thing. Do you think every decision the disciples made that they were clearly recognizing that all times that the Spirit was leading them? Or is it possible that we are actually able to be following the Holy Spirit's leading without even realizing it. What do you think? These are not just academic questions, but in fact, some of the most practical questions we could ever ask. For how many of us, on the one hand, pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? But then on the other, wonder if we've been led. Have you ever done that? Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Luke is so matter-of-fact about it. But how did the Holy Spirit keep Paul from preaching in the province of Asia? Logic would almost insist that Paul would go to Asia. I got a map here, and it's a little hard for you to see, but that big red line is Paul's second missionary journey. You can see he starts over here and he goes up through Syria and through Cilicia and then he goes up through Galatia and the next sensible place to go is that big yellow area, that's Asia. And it would have made perfect sense from where Paul was at Antioch in Pisidia to just go straight across because there's amazing cities in Asia. Maybe you've heard of some of these. Ephesus, Sardis, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamum, Laodicea, yeah, that's where those are. And it would have made a lot of sense, it seems, to just head into that area while you're close. Yet, according to Luke, the Holy Spirit did not want Paul to go there yet. Now later, Paul's going to spend time in Ephesus. 
On the way back from this trip, he's going to stop there briefly. Then he's going to come again and spend maybe as much as three years, one of his longest sojourns anywhere. So why didn't God want him to go there now? Well, short answer, the secret things belong to God. I don't know exactly why, except to say that Paul wasn't to go into Asia right then, or Bithynia for that matter, because there was somewhere else the Holy Spirit was sending him. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There will be times in your life when nothing seems to make sense. But if this story from the life of Paul can be used as an example, could it be when those times come upon us, the best thing we can do is be faithful to what we've been told so far and then patiently wait for further instructions. Is anyone living in a place like that right now where it just doesn't seem to make sense? It's as though God led me here, but now what? Yes, God wanted Paul to go to Asia, to Ephesus, to do a great work there, but first Paul needed to go some other places, some other places that would become very important to the Christian church. So you can't see the names of it, but here's what happens. Paul heads like he's going to go to Asia. God says, no, don't go here. So he turns to the north thinking, all right, I'll go up to that, that city that sits right there. Now it's Istanbul today, but that very important place. Let's head that way. And they're starting to get close. And God says, no, don't go there. And so he goes through a barren wasteland. You ever gone through a barren wasteland? When there were good places all around you where it seemed like you could go instead? and wanders around until they get all the way to the coast. And it's not until he gets there that God reveals the next step. So Paul is just going on what God told him until he gets to the ocean. And then God says, all right, you're here. Now I want you to go to Macedonia. Keep doing what the Lord has told you until he gives you more information. So where did they go? They got on the ship, they went across, oh, a couple places maybe you've heard of. Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth. All places except for Berea that would later get letters from Paul that would make up a large chunk of what we call the New Testament. Now apparently the Bereans were so righteous they didn't need a letter, but all the rest of them got letters. Some of them got more than one. All of this reminds me of another text that I'm certain you've heard and I'll bet you've lived. Proverbs 16, verse 9. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It wouldn't surprise me at all is if somewhere along the way on this trip as Paul got started, he's thinking, hey, you know, let's go to Asia. In fact, it appears that that was his intention. 
Else why would Luke state that he had specifically been prohibited by the Spirit to go there if in fact he wasn't trying to go there? And preaching in Asia would not have in itself been evil. Yet the man or woman who is wholly committed to God must always hold their plans like this? No. With an open hand. Being willing in a moment to arrange their life and rearrange their predetermined course according to the moment by moment leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of trust. So how's your trust today? Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead your life? Do you trust God? Let me try putting it another way. I know it can be hard to trust the Lord. But what are your options? Are you smart enough to always know the right way to go? Do you trust the Lord to lead you? Let me give you four quick texts that maybe you can keep in mind when you find yourself in these situations in your life. Maybe these could help you trust the Lord through the Holy Spirit to lead you. So here we go. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isaiah 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whenever you turn <clears throat> to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Jeremiah 10, 23. Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. Can you trust the Lord? Are you listening to the voice behind you? Do you know that regardless of how smart you think you are, it is not for you to direct your steps? Since that, that's why that question makes me crazy every time I hear it. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> yeah, not taking that bait. Remember, I started out as a chemical engineer. Where do you see yourself? I pray wherever the Lord wants me. The life you most want is the life the Lord will lead you to. Can you believe this? But now as we're starting to wrap this up, let me dispel at least one possible myth associated with trusting God and following the Holy Spirit. You might be inclined to think, based on what I said, the life you most want is the one the Lord will lead you to. You might be inclined to think 
That means then if I will just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then my life will be all comfort and ease and blessing and fun and peace and leisure. Because isn't that the life I want most? Paul will conclude his missionary trip to Macedonia and Achaia that we're talking about, and then he'll, he'll return to Antioch. He'll go by Ephesus really quick, then he'll go to Antioch. And then later on, he'll set off on another trip that does finally take him to Asia, and he spends all that time in Ephesus. And then after leaving Ephesus, Paul will presumably, led by the Spirit, again visit Macedonia and Greece. But then while he's there, he'll come under this strong compulsion that he needs to return to Jerusalem in order to arrive there before Pentecost. He's been gone for, I don't know, four years, and all of a sudden he's in a hurry. And because of his rush, Paul will avoid making a direct stop in Ephesus and instead he goes to Miletus and he calls the elders to come to Miletus from Ephesus and they come down and Paul gives them a long talk and toward the end of his discourse to the elders of Ephesus he makes these rather strange and troubling remarks. Acts 20 verse 22 and now compelled by the Spirit I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Really? So the Holy Spirit is telling me to go to Jerusalem and everywhere I go the Holy Spirit is telling me but it's going to be tough when you get there. The implications here are tough to accept. What it suggests is sometimes the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead us directly into trouble. And that to go where God is calling us sometimes will be very, very difficult. But what does Paul say about it? Verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here's what I started to wonder. Is it possible that we have it too good Is it possible that we, at times, have mistaken prosperity and comfort for God's will for our life? Are we willing to follow the Holy Spirit when we're clear that it's going to be profitable to us? Yeah, I'll bet we do that pretty readily, don't we? But then a bit more reluctant to follow when the course the Spirit points out is definitely going to be difficult. Which brings us back to that initial question. What would we become if the Holy Spirit fell upon us? Can you trust the leading of the Holy Spirit even if He's sending you down a difficult road? 
Isaiah 48, verse 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Isaiah 30, 21. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walking. Will you trust the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Father in heaven, speak to us, speak to our hearts. What would we become if the Holy Spirit was poured out on us? What if we became so faithful that we would hold all of our plans with an open hand and rearrange our lives in a moment if your Spirit sent us a different way? How will we learn to hear your Spirit's voice? You promise if we will listen, we will hear a voice behind us telling us which way to go. Father, some of us today find ourselves having gone in a direction that we believed your Spirit was leading, but now it seems confusing and we're like Paul wandering across a barren wasteland when there are places that seem sensible to go all around us, but you say no. Help us to be faithful to what you've told us so far and ever ready to hear when you are ready to reveal the next step. It's a matter of trust. May we, by your grace, trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.